Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best tech leaders in the world to share with you how to scale a company from 2 million to 100 million uh, ARR. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, his name is Zohar Daihan, co-founder and CEO at Webit. Zohar, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. So you are based in, in New York these days, correct? Yeah, we're based in New York City. Uh, you can see the, the city here behind me. That's an amazing uh, landscape uh, in, on your background. So let's, let's, get, let's get to know a little bit more about yourself. So how did you went start um, with it? Yeah, so a bit about my background. So I grew up half my life uh, here in New York where I was born um, and actually moved to Israel with my parents when I was a teenager. Um, Israel has a very uh, expansive tech ecosystem uh, and I kind of gotten uh, attracted and interested in technology from a very young age and kind of started to learn how to code and do software development as well as graphic design. Uh, and animation when I was still a, a teenager, started when I was about 14 to 15 years old. Um, actually had a couple of startups when I was in middle school and high school. Um, so kind of always had that entrepreneurial drive within me. Uh, had to go to the army when I was 18. Uh, there's mandatory army service in Israel. Uh, so I kind of took a break from the, the tech stuff uh, and joined uh, the paratroopers unit, so less of coding and more jumping out of airplanes for three years. <laughs> uh, but I feel like that also gave me a lot of uh, tools and, and skill sets uh, to be able to kind of manage a team and manage a company. Uh, so I think that combination uh, between you know, my previous experience in the Army really gave me a lot. Uh, when I got out, uh, went to school, uh, and actually founded Wibbits uh, during my last year uh, of college uh, and been doing that uh, pretty much ever since, uh, almost eight years in the running. And, and that's awesome. I, I saw on your um, uh, kind of LinkedIn background that this is your third company and the first one was kind of six years, the second one, 10 years, and now you are already with, with nine. So since uh, 20, 2010, if, I, yeah. if I'm not wrong. So which means that you are really persistent and, and you, you really go for, for the decade, uh, as we usually discuss on entrepreneurship. Scaling a company takes a, a long, long period of time. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's obviously my passion. Uh, I love kind of building things and taking ideas from uh, imagination uh, to reality. Uh, and like you said, you know, scaling up a company really takes up a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of time uh, and to do it in the right way. And obviously you learn more as you go. Um, so it's really exciting kind of to see that evolve and, and, and kind of kind of like a child that you see uh, growing up. Uh, and, and I think, you know, uh, you know, for entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs or first time entrepreneurs, uh, it's really important to kind of be very, enthusiastic uh, and uh, passionate about your idea and about your company because in uh, the good scenario, things go well and you continue to grow it and evolve it, 
it's a journey that takes uh, quite a long time. And if you're not really passionate, uh, it's going to be very hard to be dedicated to that cause. Absolutely. And so, uh, it was very interesting that you start by saying the, the way you kind of build your own skills and how important it was the army to, to build also your own leadership skills, which are really important to, to, to keep, for instance, be, being very resilient across all the crises that comes in any startup and any scale up in different stages uh, of growth. So it's, it's very interesting to see that we always discuss uh, what are the VPs that we should hire in what order, uh, that maybe a VP that is able to help you scale from two to 10 or from 10 to 20 will not be the one that will help us to get from 20 to 50 million. Uh, but very few times we discuss about the way we need to transform ourselves as CEOs to be able to not become the bottleneck of growth. Um, of the company. So in terms of the, the, the key transitions uh, after product market fits, uh, what were the skills that you needed to develop in order to keep helping the company to, to scale? Well, I think every stage requires you to uh, kind of adapt to it and change it and make the changes across the team to be able to uh, kind of handle those changes. And I think you know, one of the hardest things for me, I think, is you know, someone who likes to be very hands-on, um, especially when it comes to, you know, product and because I have a software development background to kind of dig in deeper into the technology. But I think one of the lessons that, that I learned that with every stage of evolution in the company and as the company grows, you need to be kind of take a step back all the time. Uh, and in order to do that, you need to be able to trust the, the teams and the, the leaders that you have across the different nice. teams. And I think it's definitely a learning process. It was a learning process for me. And, you know, to be honest, it's still a learning process because every stage is different. And uh, what, you know, worked well for you in the past doesn't necessarily uh, mean that it's going to work well for you in the future. And I think. Um, one of the things that we pride ourselves at Wibbits is we're not afraid to make changes. And, uh, and we make these changes and we make them while knowing that we might change them later. Uh, if they don't work as, as we expected. And it's part of our, our values actually at the company is to take intelligent risks. Uh, so we try to live up to, to that value, um, and, and constantly evolve. And for myself, it's always, Kind of letting go, letting go more, delegating more to the teams, uh, and really giving autonomy, uh, you know, to my leadership team, um, uh, as well as to their uh, teams as well. Right. It's curious to see, especially the ones who start joining yourself as as ads in in, in the first stage. They also witness how difficult it is for for the CEO, kind of go from a doer to much more a direction setter, a communicator, uh, as you said, giving them empowerment, telling them what is the vision, uh, waking up and uh, remembering what was the mission, why did we start, what are the values, what we stand for. Uh, and sometimes then we see the bottleneck coming to the leadership team itself, which they, they are not also letting it go and the company can't scale if we can start building also the third layer uh, of leadership and having uh, a lot of uh, a lot of teams. So, uh, how how do you help your your key members of your leadership team also to go through 
all these transitions? Well, something that I like to do with um, my leadership team is to try and have them think like CEOs. And each one of them is a CEO uh, or like a CEO of their own uh, different team. Um, and to really know and trust their team, to know how can they delegate uh, to their team and, and how can they help their team kind of do their job in a better and more efficient way. Uh, and not to be, like you said before, the bottleneck uh, when it comes to their own respective domains in the company. Um, and it's really a lot about focusing, uh, prioritizing, um, and, and de-stressing the team. Because sometimes you get a lot of different things that you want to do. Uh, the teams are very excited and passionate that they want to do and accomplish a lot of different things at the same time. But sometimes that creates a lot of, of stress. And what we've seen is that when people are stressed, when the leadership team is stressed, and when the entire company is stressed, uh, productivity goes down significantly. So we always try to have our uh, finger on the pulse when it comes to um, the stress level throughout the company and what we can do, what I can do as a CEO and what my leadership team can do as uh, you know, leaders in the company to de-stress uh, and refocus the, the team and the company in the most efficient way possible. It's very good points. Uh, I think that very two very good key takeaways are really helping them to think as CEOs. And we always discuss that a very good VP is not someone who only owns his own function, but who really understands the company as a whole, as, as a business. Uh, and definitely the best teams, the majority of them, if they want, they can become CEOs in, in their next journey. Uh, absolutely, and start their own company. Exactly, and we and we really try to pride ourselves with uh, transparency throughout the company. So everything, all the tools, all the data is literally available to pretty much everyone within the organization. And I think that really helps them and gives them the right tools to get you know that big picture uh, way of thinking and to make better uh, and wiser decisions. What was the, the most difficult VP to hire so far? Uh, it's a tough question. Um, and I think what we like to do and, and have done mostly is grow people from within the company. Because we've had the experience of you know, hiring people in key positions in the company uh, from the outside. And we've learned that that doesn't necessarily work very well. Um, and what worked for us the best today is growing leaders from within the company. And that's, uh, how we plan on doing things in the future as well. That's a, a very good point. And, um, especially in companies where we have a little bit more time to, to grow, we usually say, if we were not able to promote someone from within, clearly we have failed because exactly. it means that we didn't have the, the right training programs in progress. Uh, learning and development, uh, we didn't provide the, the the tools, so the failure is is ours in in in, in the first. <laughs> and they know the company, uh, you know, as best as possible. You know, they've seen it grow, they've seen it evolve, they've seen it change, uh, and in my opinion, that gives them a lot of um, clarity on on kind of you know where we were in the past, what we're doing today, and how we can do better. 
Absolutely. Uh, you also talked a lot about distressing and refocus. I, I love the two words, by the way, also the, the CEO uh, analogy. And I think this is one of the issues when we have the right team in place, when we have the right culture, the right energy, the right vibe, the right belief. That's a word that I also love. I think that's uh, uh, the CEO needs to believe. And that's why he's also able to raise funds and, and to go through all the temptations and all uh, the failures along the journey, and also to attract uh, the ones who work with him for this vision because of the belief. And those also need to believe to also be able to contagiate the, 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 the other ones who work um, with them. And with belief comes uh, also, I believe, uh, focus, using, <laughs> using the word uh, again. And this, this can be, again, very, very difficult. So when we are opening up, when we are scaling, and we typically discuss, okay, let's open uh, three new markets, let's work on enterprise, mid-markets, small business, let's work financial services, telcos, uh, manufacturing, uh, everywhere. So how did you start killing some initiatives and some avenues of growth so you, we can really scale? How did you face all those decisions and temptations uh, to scale? Well, well, it's something that we face all the time, honestly. Uh, you know, there are always a lot of great ideas and a lot of you know very interesting opportunities that we come across, and you know, we we raise those uh, conversations up in our leadership meetings. So we have every week we meet as a leadership team. We're scattered between uh, a few different offices, so it's typically done through video conference. Um, and we alternate every week between uh, updates. So, you know, a, a good way to sync and kind of align everybody and what's going on uh, in order to get that big picture throughout the entire company. And the next week, we will do a brainstorming session. So anybody on the leadership team can write down topics that they want to discuss uh, or brainstorm with the rest of the leadership team. And a lot of those topics are typically you know, how do we prioritize, you know, one thing over another? Uh, and how do we plan our roadmap uh, that we can uh, kind of convey and communicate to the, to the entire company? Uh, and I think one of the best things that help us do that is that every quarter uh, we meet up face-to-face uh, -face, uh, in one of our offices uh, or in one of the cities, actually, uh, that our offices are located and kind of go off-site for three days really kind of look at the previous quarter, what we've accomplished, how are we uh, measuring up from what we plan to do and what we actually executed, and what do we want to achieve in, in the future. And we always try to think six to 12 months ahead, as well as kind of break that down to the short, shorter term as well. And I think those kind of meetings and offsites really help us uh, to kind of step back, take a look at what we've accomplished, where are we compared to where we wanted to be, and how do we plan that again for the future and, and what we focus on. And it's really amazing to see at the end of that quarter, typically, we see that we've made a very big impact on those key areas that we chose to, to focus on uh, in the previous quarter. And that really creates a very good cadence for us and for the entire team to be able to constantly reprioritize and refocus our efforts in order to make the maximum uh, level of impact. Um, after those offsites, we have uh, an all hands meeting uh, where we kind of update uh, the entire company uh, on everything that was discussed 
uh, in the offsite, and why are we making certain decisions? We really try to have the entire team understand the reasons behind those decisions. And it's not just, you know, we decided it's this way and we kind of, you know, shove it down. <laughs> uh, a matter of, of, of trying to, to, to uh, make people understand the reasons uh, and also make them fully aware that nothing is set in stone. And if anybody has, you know, objections or ideas or suggestions, we're always uh, open to hearing that in order to create a really healthy conversation uh, within the company. Very good points, and uh, all about the power of accountability um, and peer pressure that also works uh, very well. So if we need to kind of see each other at least every week and uh, talk about what we are committing to do next week and how it aligns with what we agreed in the quarterly and how it aligns with the next 12 months and how it aligns with the vision, uh, then we can keep vigilant of each other uh, that we are all moving into into the right uh, direction. So very, very good points about, and, and just to um, tune in our audience, we've been discussing a lot the way the CEO needs to evolve and needs to change in order to not become the bottleneck of growth. Uh, also, the way he needs to help his leadership team and his management team to also grow uh, quicker than the company. Then we discussed the strategy, the clarity, the, the priority, the focus. And now we were discussing some of the rhythms that Zoar is, is using to kind of uh, lead the, the team into the direction of the big area. Uh, audacious goal. And of course, some of those milestones are important to prove the metrics that we need in order to assure that we have the appropriate cash or the right level of cash flow, again, to execute um, those priorities. So what were your lessons uh, through the different rounds that you have raised, seed, series A, series B, and series C in October 2017? Uh, some of your investors, uh, Kim Adventures, Horizon Ventures, uh, TF, TF1 group, um, among others. Uh, so what were the main lessons? Uh, and let's focus, uh, because here it's typically after product market fits, let, let's focus on the Series B and on the on the Series C. So what were the main lessons there? I think, you know, with every funding round, it's, uh, it's a matter of choosing the right investment uh, and who is going to help you uh, kind of bring your uh, company to the next level. And I think it's always good to, uh, you know, to, to find the right fit when it comes to investors. And it's not always easy. Uh, and you need a lot of patience. And um, I think, you know, the investors do their due diligence. I think it's up to the entrepreneurs and the company to do their own due diligence as well when it comes to investors. And I think, you know, that's one of the lessons that we've definitely learned uh, throughout the funding uh, processes that we've had in the future. Um, and really to create that healthy dialogue within uh, our investors as well. Uh, a lot of them have you know, great experience from the past. They've um, been through uh, many of the challenges uh, that we're going through with other companies and every company goes through challenges and to create that healthy dialogue with them. I think that's something that we've definitely um, uh, have learned and always try to do even better. Absolutely. And uh, nowadays we, we are always discussing uh, 
one one rule that was kind of um, explained or written in a famous blog by one of the partners of um, Matrix uh, part, Battery Ventures. Uh, apologies for that, Agrol, uh, which says that. Um, so in, in terms of the world-class standards of scaling a company from 2 million to 100 million, uh, we might want to triple two times and double three times. So two to six, six to 18, triple two, and then double three, which is 18 to 36 million, 36 to 72, and 72 to 144, or 100 plus, which is the main goal of having a company which is valued by 1P that can go public or get uh, an acquisition from um, a larger uh, incumbent. So, and, and nowadays we also have a, an opposite trend. So, and, and some, of, some of the ones who are preaching an, a very opposite trend are the ones who raised venture capital before and who are starting up again their own companies and want to go for a more organic uh, way. So do you believe that we really need to double and triple uh, our companies if we want to be in the, in the VC uh, industry? Uh, I think at, at the end of the day, it depends on the company. And, and I think, you know, what we believe in is, is healthy growth. Uh, and we've seen, um, you know, for many examples in the past, uh, a lot of them actually very recently, where you see these companies that have hyper growth, they need to raise, you know, very, very big rounds of funding in order to continue and, and fuel that growth. Uh, because a lot of that growth is really fueled by investing a lot more in your uh, marketing and R&D and so forth, uh, where in some cases you get into get wrapped up into a very vicious and sometimes dangerous cycle. Because with every uh, round of funding, you know, your, your valuation grows, uh, the expectation grows. And sometimes you're really creating something that um, is not really reflecting the value of your company. And I really believe that, you know, creating that healthy type of growth is something that's super important that a lot of entrepreneurs that I speak to in my circles are really focusing on, uh, on these days. And I think, um, you know, going, especially in the beginning through the organic way, uh, that would be the smartest way. Really understanding, you know, very early stages, even pre-funding, uh, trying to get to the uh, right product market fit, trying to, uh, you know, prove the model, refine that model, make sure that you know how to generate revenue while being as scrappy as possible, and then raise that money to facilitate that growth. I think that that is probably the, uh, uh, the healthiest way and what I uh, hear a lot recently as opposed to kind of, you know, raising more money, three months later, raising another significant uh, round of funding, valuation doubles and so forth. Uh, in some cases it, it works, uh, some cases it works for a little bit, but then, uh, you know, we see what can potentially happen. Yeah, but, but do you think that's... Uh the founders always should have the kind of the pressure on themselves to try to double and triple uh, every, every single year. But what you are saying is uh, not at any cost, right? Exactly. exactly. And I think you should always try to think 
you know, if you get to a certain milestone, okay, how do we now double that? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily in one year or, or how many years. It depends on you know the company stage. Um, but yeah, I think you should really have a, a plan uh, and detailed and feasible way of doing that. Okay, we are closing to we are coming to the to the end of the show, and uh, so I, I would like to still ask before going to our last uh, questions, that is our favorite one uh, in the show. Uh, what is the ad for for Webits? So, what are some of your plans for the future of of Webits? So we have a lot of very exciting plans for for Wibbits. Uh, I think especially in 2020, uh, you know, our goal from the beginning has been to get Wibbits uh, in as many hands uh, of content professionals as possible. Um, and we have a lot of very exciting new things that are coming out that are continue to kind of expand our offering to uh, different customer segments. Uh, and, and continue to really raise the bar when it comes to uh, video content creation. And really, you know, our goal uh, is to um, give people the freedom to create. So really giving people the opportunity, people who are not necessarily, necessarily video professionals or video creators and don't have any experience whatsoever when it comes to creating uh, video content, and giving them the power to create professional, premium, high-quality content in the quickest and easiest way possible. Definitely, uh, this is the timing, and uh, it's it's good to to count on on your execution and and our, on your vision. So, and if you would have the opportunity to sit down with yourself uh, nine years ago when you were starting up uh, Webits. So what advice would you offer to yourself? You know, I can give a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of advice. Obviously, you learn a lot. Uh, you make a lot, <laughs> of, uh, uh, a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, and I could give tons of advice on, you know, finding the right product market fit, finding the right investors. Uh, how do you, um, you know, structure the best revenue model that reflects your, your product's value? But you know, I was thinking about this, and I think you know my main piece of advice uh, to my younger self would be uh, to learn how to uh, pause sometimes, uh, because as young entrepreneurs, we're very, very driven. You know, we want to accomplish everything, um, and we need to remember that you know, if we want to do things right, if we want to take this uh, um, idea the next level and to create something truly, truly big, this is going to take a lot of time. And it's not uh, a sprint, it's a marathon. And it's really knowing how to pace yourselves um, and not getting burnt out along the way. And it's something that, you know, I've learned uh, throughout the years uh, because uh, grinding 24-7 nonstop um, for so long really uh, affects you. Uh, it affects your decision making, and most importantly, it affects your team. And I think it really trickles down uh, to the entire company. We talked about stress levels before, uh, and it's one of those ways that you can uh, help your entire team. And it's something that we really focus on at Wibbits, and it's actually one of our values. One of our values at Wibbits is pause and play. 
you know, we're a video company, so it's a play on uh, <laughs> exactly. and video. But when you think about it, it's really about, you know, knowing when to, to take a moment to stop, to reflect on what you've done and what you've accomplished, what you've learned, um, as well as knowing how to celebrate those uh, achievements and wins. Uh, and knowing how to kind of play together um, as a team uh, and appreciating the moment before moving on to the next challenge. Uh, and it's something that, you know, we try to promote uh, uh, across uh, the entire company. We actually have something called pause and play days. So every month, uh, everybody in the entire company gets uh, a long weekend. And uh, we encourage people to take that day, to spend time outdoors, to travel, to do something good for yourself, to spend time with family. Uh, and we believe, and we've actually seen that, that people are much more productive uh, on the day-to-day and they really maximize their, uh, their time and resources in a, with a much clearer mind. Uh, and a clearer mind creates much uh, uh, a more creative mind in my Absolutely. There is definitely not only a startup roller coaster, but also a skill up roller coaster. Uh, Jason Lemkin loves to talk about that usually it's uh, year seven founders start to be completely burnt out. And there's, uh, he suggests some uh, tips in order to try to calm down, sometimes even go two weeks uh, out of the office or just go four weeks and go after they work and another after they just go to see a movie or uh, walk outside. Uh, it, it's very interesting to see. And, and this happens, of course, to all who, who are with us on, on, on these journeys with, with, this, with the CEO. Very, very good points. Thank you so much, Thor. It was really a lot of fun and a lot of help. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Perfect. And to our community, thank you so much for listening to us. You already know that we are always happy to get feedback about what are the topics and the guests that will serve you the best on helping you to get from 2 million to 100 million ARR. So see you next week. And thank you so much for joining.